Hello, everybody, and welcome to Catholic Truth, where we teach and preach the truth that comes down from Jesus and the apostles over 2,000 years. And today we have a very special show on the Blessed Virgin Mary. Many people say Mary's not found in the Bible. She's hardly even mentioned in the New Testament. So why do you Catholics focus so much on Mary? Why do you put so much emphasis on her? Well, we are going to be answering that today and showing that Mary is actually very biblical, not only in the Old Testament, but prefig sorry, not only in the New Testament, but prefigured in the Old Testament as well. And to do that today, we have a very special guest named Father John Weiss, and he is a priest uh, of uh, the prelature of Opus Dei. And I'm excited to have him on here. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And this is his book. Uh, it's called uh, Bible Mary. And on the back, it says, where is Mary in the Bible? And the answer is everywhere. <laughs> and if you don't know Father uh, John yet, uh, just so anyone knows, he holds a PhD in ecclesiastical philosophy from Rome's Pontifical University, as well as a bachelor and a master's degree from Notre Dame and Stanford. He has several books, including Bible Mary. And as we're going to see this, Guys, most of my books on my shelf on Mary are very thin. This is a very well-done, well-written, extensive book. Like, for example, some people say, yeah, Mary cannot be sinless because Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. All means all. And Father goes into a lengthy explanation from the Bible to show you what that passage properly means. And he covers every aspect of Mary from the beginning to the end, from the Old Testament to the New. And I'm very excited to be talking about this today. So thank you for joining us, Father. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. And I love, this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Mine too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you then, um, you know, non-Catholics say that Mary's hardly mentioned in the Bible. So, you know, why do we focus on her? But you seem to think that she's all over the Bible. Like what, what would, how do you explain that? What would you mean by that? Well, it really started when I was in a discussion with an anti-Catholic Protestant, James McCarthy. We actually wrote uh, yes. a book together and uh, put our dialogues together. And, um, but when we came to the topic of Mary and the saints, uh, he just blurted out kind of, well, when I first read the Bible, I was so surprised at how little it said about Mary. And so I was kind of took back by that. But then I said, okay, I'm going to try to collect together all those passages in the Bible together. And I was reading saints. I was reading, um, uh, the f early Christian fathers of the church, and they started, I was collecting these scriptures, so I said, why, how did they use these passages of scripture to explain Mary? And so I started trying to be very th thorough, as I tend to be, and I started coming up, identifying certain principles that the Old Testament, I mean, the, the, the authors of the Bible were using, as well as the early Christian writers. And I came up with these principles, identified as many of the passages as I could in the Old Testament and in the New, and show how they apply to Mary in different ways. So it's really a new way of looking at Scripture that, um, you know, it's new, but it's old. <laughs> it's the way that <laughs> the early Christians did, read it, 
It's the way the uh, the authors of the Bible. It's the way Jesus read the Bible, because he uses similar these principles throughout his discourses in the in the New Testament. Yeah, I was going to say those words exactly. It's I was going to say it's new but old, you know, because mm -hmm. the earliest Christians definitely hit on all these in the first few centuries and. Very interesting. So, you know, even before we get to the New Testament, you know, and what the, you know, the Bible passages that we're familiar with, maybe we can back up a little bit and explain typology. I don't think most Protestants or Catholics, unless you get to the scholarship realm, understand typology. And then maybe you can explain uh, how it applies to Mary. Right. Well, Typology is is something that Jesus used, that uh, St. Paul used. He actually comes up with the terminology. And it's basically looking at Old Testament persons, places, institutions, and the like, and that prefigure New Testament persons, places, and institutions. For example, Jesus uses um jonah he was three days in the in the whale and it was prefiguring uh jesus christ being three days in you know in the ground in the in the tomb and so jesus says that's what you're going to have that's what you're going to see that's what you're and so he was using that saint paul uses um adam and his condemnation of the human race by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil as prefiguring Christ who does the opposite you know Christ raises up and saves us by one man one act saves all of us whereas one act of Adam condemned all of us so we you know that these kinds of things we we start seeing in the in the New Testament even in the Old Testament I think it was um was it I, uh, Elijah that or Ezekiel that was said? God said, "Go do this. You know, make a hole in the wall and crawl through it, and or take a um, a vessel of clay and smash it." And said, "That's going to prefigure what's going to happen to the the people of God." So he was using these kinds of figures, but real actions and real people to prefigure something that was was to come. And now, how does that apply to Mary uh, specifically? Do we see Mary prefigured in the Old Testament? Well, we see in Eve, the the early Christian writers wrote uh, that Mary was the new Eve. Seeing Adam as the, I mean, Christ is the new Adam. They saw Mary as the new Eve, and what Eve did to contribute to the condemnation of all human humanity, Mary does the opposite and helps us by ease disobedience we were all condemned by mary's obedience to god's will we so that's the way they used it and it's even prefigured there in genesis anticipating you know that condemnation of the serpent you know i'm put enmity between you and you and the woman between your seed and her seed and um uh, there's two readings of this, but St. Jerome put it in the feminine. He says, you will bite at her and heal, and she will crush your head. And so, anticipating that there's a woman that's coming that you're just a, a figure for, 
um, you're a type four. And we start seeing this start showing up in all sorts of other women in the Old Testament. Yeah, and it's very interesting. I love the old typology for Mary, especially like the new Eve and um, the new Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And actually, we just had a lively discussion on our social media on Instagram because we posted a, a little bit of an Old Testament quote and then a New Testament quote showing that Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. So, oh, you know, a lot of Protestant cool. Catholic discussion on that. But maybe you can talk about Mary as the new Ark of the Covenant and how she's prefigured. Well, we we find out that in the old ark in the old ark of the covenant contained three things the 10 words of god or the decalogue but the 10 words of god that's how the uh, 10 commandments were called the the manna which is the bread of life or the bread from heaven and the the staff of aaron which was the sign of the which had budded to show that he was the true high priest well inside of mary that was contained inside this golden box that was um, considered the most sacred thing that the jewish people had in their possession and then in the mary she contained the one word of god <laughs> the word of god and then she also carried his body inside of her which is the bread of the bread of life if we look at uh, john 6 it says the true bread that comes down from heaven the true is is jesus's body blood soul and divinity and she carried the high priest so jesus christ was the high priest so she carried all of that in her womb and they saw that as prefiguring the old Art testament arc prefiguring mary so it, it gives us a wonderful um imagery that comes together one of the things okay. i really found to, oh, go this, ahead. this actually links up with um um the new eve in that <coughs> mary is a head crusher you know there was all these women in the old testament that were head crushers and i think that's why jerome translated it in the feminine uh pronouns which is a legitimate translation but the greek was translated into masculine but you look at all the old testament head crushers that were women and it it, it kind of say ah and they were prefiguring mary the first one that shows up is um is the um jael who in the book of judges crushes the head of sisera the antichrist that was fighting trying to destroy god's people and she he fled and was hiding in the tent of jael and when jael gave him some milk to drink he fell asleep and she took a tent peg and a hammer and and you know nailed his head to the floor of the tent and um and then um Barak comes with deborah and finds that all oh, this woman has already crush the head of the antichrist and deborah sings her praises and even says kind of pretty close to all generations will call you blessed jael and of course anybody who knows the new testament says hey that sounds very familiar <laughs> and when mary says all generations will call me blessed it's like mary's taking to herself that 
well, even the Ark of the Covenant gets into the um, the head crushing business because when, as we were reading at mass um, just yesterday, the Ark of the Covenant gets captured by um, the Philistines, and what do they do with the the Ark of the Covenant? They bring it to the tent of Dagon, and you know, which is their it has their idol that they were worshiping and put the Ark of the Covenant right next to it. And the next morning they come to the tent and Dagon is toppled off his pedestal. They get spooked a little bit, but they put Dagon back on his on his pedestal. And then the next next day, Dagon is again knocked off his pedestal and his head is cut off and his hands are cut off. And they said, no, this is not good omen for us. So they sent the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. So even Mary, as the Ark of the Covenant, um, is crushing heads in the Old Testament. Now, one of my favorite uh, prefiguring is the woman um, in Revelation chapter yes. 12 and how she is the woman. And sometimes Protestants will say, you know, clearly Jesus, you know, I mean, this sounds funny just saying it out loud, but doesn't respect Mary because he calls her woman, you know, as if woman was a bad thing. Uh, but it has much more meaning. I mean, yes, it was a term of respect back in the old days, but it has much more meaning for Mary. Can you maybe explain that? Well, that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis as well, because Eve, her she was first not, her name was not Eve originally. It was woman, Isha. And only after the fall was she named Eve as the mother of all the living. Um, but it's it's very interesting how um, in the in um, the book of Revelation, again, the Ark of the Covenant comes in there because we always start with chapter twelve, verse one, but really that passage begins in chapter eleven, verse nineteen, I believe it is where it says the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, the Holy of Holies is going to be opened up and you're going to see the Ark of the Covenant. And instead of, you know, all these flashes of lightning and thunder and everything, and instead of the Ark of the Covenant, you see a woman clothed with the sun with a crown of 12 stars around her head. So we already see already the the Ark of the Covenant and the, the and woman coming together. And Jesus calls his mother woman on a number of occasions. One was at the wedding feast of Cana when he, Mary presents the needs of this couple to Jesus and said, woman, what is this to me and to you? My hour has not yet come. But then what does he do? He, he answers her request and turns water into wine. We see, but it's linking woman with my hour. He links woman with Mary at the at the when he's culminating his hour at the on the cross. He says, "Woman, behold your son." As he looks to John, and then behold your mother. As he looks back at Mary, and uh, you you just see that the woman is used as a reference to the hour, the hour of redemption. Yeah, it's so very interesting, you know, the <clears throat> woman throughout 
scripture and that, you know, even starting from Genesis 3.15, Adam and Eve dropped the ball. They messed up. You know, the devil was cursed. They were cursed, you know, and yet Jesus prophesied that, I'm sorry, God prophesied that he was going to send a Messiah who would redeem all things. And a woman was going to participate with him against the seed of Satan, which is sin. And that would be Mary. And we see that. We see the devil still at war with her. I like how you brought this out in your book, that in Revelation 12, you know, he's still at war trying to destroy Christ and the woman. And God, you know, basically delivers her from the devil. And we see you bring out several similarities in your book about how the devil was cursed in Genesis 3 and also in Genesis 12 and all the different things. Same thing with the the new Ark of the Covenant. You show, you know, there's many parallels between the Old Testament Ark and then exactly fitting to the Blessed Virgin Mary in the New Testament. I just find typology so uh, interesting and, you know, I, I love it. And it's something that we have to recover, you know. I think we've gotten so much into proof texting. And, you know, I'll use this passage, you use that passage, and we'll battle it out and see who who comes out on top. Whereas the early Christians were not reading the Bible that way. What they were doing is looking at the big picture. And even Jesus, as he's walking with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he's explaining all of Scripture to them. He's saying how all of this was fulfilled in his crucifixion, uh, you know, and and resurrection. So that's something that I try to do in Bible Mary is to bring together all of Scripture and focus on those things that have have to do with Mary. But you see, it just is totally woven into everything that is revealed in God's Word. Yeah, and you you talk about how big rocks in the early church, like Augustine, applied mm-hmm. many of these things to Mary and Irenaeus and other ones. And it's just amazing that the earliest Christians were understanding this because they didn't just proof text. They studied scripture because they loved the word of God. Yes. They wanted to know it in every aspect. They wanted to know the allegorical, the anagogical, the literal, historical, the different meanings of scripture so that they could properly interpret it so that they could know God better and what he's revealed to us. And um, one of those things that they point out is that um, Lady Wisdom in the Old Testament uh, applies to Mary too, seemingly. Maybe you can explain that. Well, one of the great insights that I had was when that passage where the Holy Spirit inspires Elizabeth to say to Mary, blessed are you among women. And it was that insight that said, okay, Mary's more blessed than any woman. Therefore, anytime the Bible mentions a woman, it refers to Mary as more blessed than that woman. And very interesting is that the you know, in the Book of Wisdom and in the Psalm, the um, Songs of Solomon, and I mean, in 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 uh, Sirach and all that, we have wisdom being portrayed as a woman. So you can see that all oh, the early Christians very much linked those passages to Mary, and it's just a very natural way because Mary's more blessed than any woman, and here they're mentioning wisdom as a woman in as they're describing uh you know the great virtue of wisdom that we should strive for and and try to get to know 
And so it was just very natural for the early Christians to do that. And um, we can see, we can uncover what the reason why they were doing just that. Yeah, analogous, analogous to that, maybe you could talk about, you know, how a lot of the prophecies and understandings that predicted Christ by, you know, correspondingly apply to Mary as well, like similarly to the New Eve. Yeah, there was the great, yeah, I mean, typologies we, we can we can develop more, but I think whenever there is a prophecy that refers to Christ, and if there's a certainly if there's a woman involved, you you refer you would refer to um, the the woman as that's re- related to that to Mary. Give you a good example is is Samson. You know, Samson is kind of a prefigurement of Christ. Now Samson does some you know bad things, but he ends up his life you know, against two pillars and, you know, in the form of a cross. (laughs) And he dies destroying um, the leaders of the Philistines there. And it was something that, okay, he's a a redeemer of sorts that we see in in the Bible that's going to be fulfilled in Christ. Well, his mother um, had a hard time conceiving. She couldn't conceive a child, and she was getting old, up there in years, and she miraculously conceives a child after the apparition of of, a, of an angel. And so we see these these prophecies being um, referring to Christ, but also uh, referring to Mary as well. And you draw these out in the book, like at length. I mean, yes. you go through whole Bible passages talking about one woman of the Old Testament and how it's all, almost word for word applied to Mary in the New Testament. Right. And I like what you said about you know the wisdom. You said what wisdom is personified as a mother, a wife, and a queen, mm-hmm. typifying traits of a created woman not a divine, uncreated person who took on male flesh. You know, so like the things you draw out in here are very deep, very scriptural, and very interesting. I think people would, you know, like it. So, you know, this is called Bible Mary, everyone. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. And it goes into great depth on every one of the dogmas of Mary, plus Mm -hmm. all of the scriptures that refer to Mary, and in more depth than a lot of books do. So, you know, he'll take not just one passage and give you the typical answer that you hear from every book, (laughs) but, you know, the same answers that you hear so many places, but he'll add on to those a lot. He goes much deeper in a lot of different ways. So this is a great apologetics resource, but it's also a great resource for Protestants. And I know that you had that in mind by the way you're writing the book, because, you know, you, you really, you reach out to Protestants and you try to meet them where they're at and you try to give them an understanding. So if there are any Protestants out there who just want to understand what the Catholic church believes about Mary, this is a great book. And every chapter ends with question and answers that Protestants have given, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of objections that they have and uh, Father John answers them. And so, you know, he really has both Catholic and Protestant, really anyone who wants to understand the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and one of those topics that people don't understand, 
besides co-redemptrix is uh mary as the uh as a mediatrix mm-hmm. you know like why in the world would we need a co-redeemer someone said that to me the <laughs> other day and i said well co-redeemer and co-redemptrix are two different things they're, they're not synonymous mm-hmm. and um but they say okay well what about mediatrix then you know i mean isn't jesus our only mediator so I think they're they're misunderstanding these Latin terms and they're yes. they're you know kind of coagulating them all together with English terms and trying to make it the same thing. So maybe you could talk about Marius Mediatrix. What is what does this mean and why do non-Catholics have perhaps uh issues with it? I think it's it's one of those things that we I I go to the meaning of prayer. Because when we ask someone, a mediatrix is someone we pray to, that person to intercede for us. But if you really think about it, for for Protestants, their worship service is basically prayer, reading the Bible, and and and, and song and preaching and songs. Whereas our worship service is so much more. It entails you know, offering the sacrifice of the mass. It entails, um, you know, we will have incense. We will use, um, you know, there, so there's so much more to that. So they they associate prayer with worship. And I said, look, if, if prayer meant worship, then we would not pray to Mary because we can't worship Mary. She's a creature. And so... But for us, we understand the word prayer as meaning um, asking for something from someone or a dialogue with someone. And you ask your mother for, you know, a glass of milk. You know, you don't consider that worshiping your mother. So that's the way we look at uh, this role of intercession. In fact, we ask even Protestants will ask other people to pray for them. You know, I'm going to have an exam this this week. Can you pray for me? Or I'm going to have this uh, surgery. Can you pray for this? Or pray for my mother or pray for... We do that all the time. And we don't consider that intercession, but that's what it is. That's what we're... When we pray to Mary, ask for her intercession. And we even see that happening in, in the Bible. When this, Mary sees the need of this couple running out of wine... What does she do? She turns to her son and she brings their needs before them, puts puts it, they have no wine. And that's what we mean as someone who is uh, mediatrix, someone that's mediating, bringing the needs of ours to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, Protestants are quick to say, oh, you know, but why, but you don't need her, you know, you just need Jesus, you know, that's all we need, except that God chose her, you know, the mediatrix, you know, God chose, God could have brought salvation into the world in any way he chose, but he chose in his perfect choice to bring salvation into the world was Mary. So she, in a sense, mediated salvation. She brought us salvation. That's just a historical biblical christian fact you know it doesn't mean she's a goddess it doesn't mean she's up there with jesus you know co-redeeming or anything like that no but she had what we're saying is she had a special place in the salvation process and i think that's important for people to understand that god uses us yes he didn't need saint michael to kick 
the devil out of heaven. He could have winked his eye and the devil would have disintegrated if he wanted to. Yes. And I'm being, you know, silly with my terms here, but, but the point is he didn't need Gabriel to go to Mary. He didn't need anything. Raphael. Right. He chose these people because he chooses and uses his creation. And he chose Mary. It's not worshiping her. It's very interesting is seeing how, you know, Adam and Jesus do opposite things. I always say, you know, Je Jesus is the redeemer. Adam is the condemner. But Eve had a pretty important role in Adam's act of condemning all of us to sin. She so I call her the code condemnatrix. So, so that she was she assisted uh, Adam in condemning all of us to to original sin. But uh, Mary is the co-redemptrix in the sense of um, assisting bringing Jesus into the world. I mean, God bringing Jesus into the world through her, and she cooperated. She said yes. Be it done unto me according to your word. And we see in that Mary is, you know, assisting Jesus in his mission by, by saying yes to being his mother. And he, she accompanies him throughout his life. And then what does she do? She accompanies the early church. And uh, as it's, you know, just striving to get off, the, get off the ground and get established, she's there. And so that's, we see if she's not in, she was interested in the early church, wouldn't she be interested in the church as it develops and continues to grow? And her great, great, great grandchildren are, she wants to see them thrive. She wants to see us thrive. But she's, she doesn't take Jesus's place. She just, you know, brings us to Jesus and brings Jesus to us. Exactly. And you bring a lot of this out in your book, which is great in mm -hmm. much more detail. I mean, you people, he's just scratching the surface on these topics, like literally just scratching the surface. He goes very deep with these. And one thing I don't think people realize is that we're all called to be mediatrixes. We're all called to be, in some right. ways, co-redemptrixes, you know, because we're all participating in bringing salvation to other people. Every time we bring the gospel to someone and they listen to us, we brought them salvation. Jesus mm -hmm. used us to help them. We didn't yes. do it. It's him through us. Same thing with Mary. It's not her. Yeah. It's Jesus in and through her. Yes. And and St. Paul calls himself co-worker and, you know, co-suffering with Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he uses all these words that um, really says he identifies himself as a co-redeemer co with alongside Jesus, but he, not to replace Jesus, but to uh, suffer with him in order to fulfill, complete what is lacking in the church. I mean, all these things that Paul uses, and if he can apply them to himself, um, I think he would certainly apply them to to our Blessed Mother as well. Exactly. I don't think there's much that's not covered in this book, people. <laughs> you know, it's called Bible Mary, and you can find it at Catholic Answers Press, Catholic.com. Um, Father, is there anything else you wanted to say uh, before we leave? Anything else on your mind? Well, I just want to say my the people's response to this book so far say it's very readable. It's easy. It's enjoyable and easy to read, which is what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be very accessible. And although I'm a very thorough type of person, I want to don't want to leave anything out. 
um i at the same time you know i want people to to enjoy reading it and getting to know the person that's the mother of jesus and called to be their mother as well on a spiritual side yeah i'm the same way i'm I, i'm thorough and i hear when i write i have every objection of every person in <laughs> in mind and <laughs> i ironically um our sunday visitor published my new age book but i originally sent it to catholic answers and they ultimately rejected it because they said the information's fantastic, but it's it's a dictionary, it's an encyclopedia. No one's <laughs> no one's gonna read it. So it was, and it's fair, totally a fair and uh, right. comment. So I had to revise the entire thing, add stories, and make the mm -hmm. I literally revamped the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I totally understand that. But <laughs> this is a good combination of both of those. It's full of information, but very down to earth and very readable. And honestly, I recommend this for every shelf because it's mm -hmm. it can be a um, one of those pieces where it's a it's a, a like forget what you call it, but like when you just need to look something up, reference you know, book. You, a reference book. Yeah. You go to this book and you say, Hey, I have questions on the backlight consumption. Someone's asking me questions on that. You pick up this book and you go through the chapter and you get a lot of information on it or on the assumption of Mary or on Mary in the early church, or what do the early fathers say? There's so much information in there. You can just pick it up and just look through it here or there, read a chapter on something that interests you. There's so much information. It's great. And it's easy to read. So I, I highly recommend this book. It's called Bible Mary. You can buy it at Catholic Answers Press, Catholic.com. And uh, I will link it in our show description notes below. So, Father, thank you for uh, writing this, first of all, and thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And I want to thank all of you for watching this, Catholic and Protestant. Thank you for always tuning into our show. And all the, obviously, there are others included. We know we have uh, atheists and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. And all of you out there who are watching our channel, thank you. Thank you for watching our videos. Thank you for, you know, trusting us to bring you the truth of the Catholic faith, the truth of Jesus Christ. And um, for all of those who are interested, you can check out our description show notes below. You can find us on social media. You can support us on PayPal and Patreon. If you're like a speaker or retreat leader, you can call Father John. He gives retreats. He gives, he preaches, mm -hmm. and uh, he can come to your parish. You can also call us at Catholic Truth. We're here for you. But thank you all for watching, and God bless. Thank you.